Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today's our book club. Yeah. We're talking about I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Yes. But before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by Knight. And Knight is the makers of our favorite pillow. We're going to tell you more about them later in the episode. But you can take 20% off your order at discoverknight.com with code BOP20. So before we get into all of our regular stuff, I mean, I feel like we should talk a little bit about what's going on. I It was really crazy because last week, so for last week's podcast episode, podcast goes live on Wednesday, we recorded the intro outro uh, the previous Thursday, which I think was kind of like the day before. The day before things got really bad. The day before things got really serious with the coronavirus. So it was really funny that even in six days, I felt like our last episode was so outdated. Yeah, it felt like really insensitive when I like listened. I was like, ooh. Now it's Friday, the what's today's date? Today's the 20th. The 20th. By next Wednesday, who knows if this will be outdated too. But we didn't really talk a ton about coronavirus and how we're feeling about it in last week's episode. So maybe we'll start there because I feel like everyone listening is in the same boat. Yeah. So I've been self-quarantined for a week and a half. I think I started earlier than most people because I also just enjoy, well, I used to enjoy being home alone in my apartment. And now things are starting to get a little stir crazy. How are you feeling overall? Um, I'm all right. So I have pretty bad allergies and I'm also a hypochondriac. So like every day I'm like, my throat feels more sore. I'm coughing. The reality is that I think it's like a post-nasal drip and I don't have a fever, so I'm fine. But it's really fucking scary. I feel uncertain financially with work. Like I've actually had some interesting projects come in this week for like TV shows and like very like stay inside at home things. But every fashion project for, for just cause has been canceled because why would people buy, you know, nice shoes right now or a, a dress when no one's going out. Yeah. And also people are staying mon- saving money and not shopping as much. So I think it's nerve wracking watching things get pushed back. Uh, this is my low, but my Amazon collection got indefinitely pushed out. And like, that sucks. Like I put, I spent a lot of money on the shoot for that. And like, but it's still going to happen. I was happen. really excited. Yeah. It, okay. It is. We don't know when. Okay. I just worry that it's so seasonal. So what if like everything's shut down until July? Like, no one's going to want to buy now. Yeah, I know. It's just nerve-wracking. It's There's just a lot of financial uncer- uncertainty. And I also worry a lot about my parents. Like, they're finally taking things seriously. Like, my dad has a part-time job at a restaurant, and he was just let go. Like, I don't love that he they can't work right now. But I also, like, like the idea of them being home and safe. Because, you know, they're in their 60s. They're so healthy. And honestly, my mom has probably has more energy than you and I combined. Absolutely, she does. But like, they're still in their 60s. So it makes me nervous. Yeah. Um, I'm worried. You know, I'm just worried about my family. I have some other family stuff going on. My, my great uncle, completely unrelated to coronavirus, is, is very, very sick. And I think like that he will probably pass away and I won't get to say goodbye because obviously we can't go anywhere. I'm um, sorry. So it's been a lot. There's yeah. been a lot going on. Yeah. So that was me. How about you? I feel like I'm faring okay. I I feel like in some ways only child life has prepared me for this in some way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I don't have a lot of focus necessarily and I don't have – I don't know that I'm 
being super productive, but I feel okay. And do you have a hard time reading? Yeah, I've had a super hard time reading. I can't read. Like, I, I immediately look at my phone or put the news on. I was thinking of giving the Jessica Simpson audiobook a try that everyone's so into. I got it. Because I feel like listening might be easier. Also, I feel like every time I've tried to read, it's in the evening. And so it's after already having done a day. Yeah. So I wonder if on the weekend it will be easier. But I was saying Alex and I just went and helped. She delivered meals to the elderly. I sat in the car. Um but we were talking and I was like, I feel like the weekend is going to be especially weird because I feel like for on the weekdays, it's like you have the purpose. You have a purpose. You're working. Yeah. So, you know, you like you work regular work hours, then you need to feed yourself and then you like decompress for work. So it doesn't feel that different. But I feel like on a weekend, it's going to feel really weird. Yeah. So I don't I know. know. I was thinking about that, too. My low is that I guess we'll go out of order because you already said you're low. But my low is that last week week I like really fell apart on Monday because I worked through the whole weekend yes. on rom-com pods. So it was fun work, but I I just spent the whole weekend working and then like was too plugged into the news and then on Monday I was just like I hadn't slept well and I just like really fell apart. So I'm trying to like be more conscious about boundaries and like what I need in order to feel good, which is like taking walks making dinner is like a big touch point for me. And so making dinner helps. I've never cooked so much. I was feeling really crummy on Monday and and I like went through the process of making dinner and I felt like that really helped. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm trying to be more conscious, but I'm like not nervous for the weekend. That's the wrong word. But I'm just like, ooh, I wonder how the weekend will be. Yeah. No, you're totally right now. I'm like, oh, I don't like the weekend sounds awful. Well, Alex and I'll I I'll probably do some work over the weekend. Alex and I were talking about having a movie night on Sunday. Yes, let's do it. So, yeah. It is nice cuz we're all socially isolated and we live in the same building, so we do see each other. And we're lucky to have that cuz I have like a lot of single people in my DMs just being like I'm so bored. I ha- haven't seen a person in like over a week. Well, honestly, I'll just, I mean, I guess this is kind of like a little more organic way of sharing it. But my high this week is that on Wednesday, I had a nine-way video chat with my group text. I put it on the calendar every Wednesday for forever. It's called Wind Down Wednesday. Wine, not wind. And everyone has to show up with a drink. Love it. And we like chatted for two hours and it was so funny and like it was it was fun. It was like a good we were all it gave us all something to look forward to. And yeah. then it was like fun to connect with people. So I was really into that. And then on Saturday, oh my god, on Saturday, I'm living my dream. I am having I a video conference PowerPoint party. I was stalking your stories last night because I'm like, I do not understand what this is. You guys are so funny. Well, I talked about this on um our episode I with Kate it. Kennedy about wanting to do a drunk lecture, which I guess is the in-person version of this, yeah, where you make a PowerPoint and then you present it. Are so, you going to put this like on your TV screen and then like present it, or no? We're doing it a via a video call, so then I'll screen share my presentation to everyone and and narrate and present it to them. Yeah. I can't tell you what the topic is. Oh, I can because I guess when this airs, it'll be after. I don't want to. Sp- I want. I don't want to say it on Instagram because I don't want to spoil it for my group that I'm doing it with. Yeah. But I'm doing um iconic childhood fashion moments. Oh. I have an 11-page presentation that starts out with um a slide with a Lisa Frank rainbow and unicorn and then my fashion influences as a child I love who it. in case you are wondering are 
Gia from Full House, Molly McIntyre. Who was Gia? She was Stephanie's bad apple friend. Oh, okay. Um, Molly McIntyre's birthday dress, the American Girl doll. Okay. The Olsen twins at any time throughout my childhood. Okay. And Topanga Lawrence. Oh, I love Topanga. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I think this is going to be hilarious. Um, I saw one on TikTok where people did it and somebody's topic was like a definitive ranking of the best candles in the house. Okay. Somebody DM'd me and said that they did one with their friends and their topic was I'd fuck Jonah Hill and you would too. (laughs) I am very excited. My friends who I'm doing it with, it's my TikTok group text. Okay. And they're the weirdest people I know. So I'm very excited to see what everyone else's presentation is. But so all of this is to say those are my highs. But if you're feeling lonely, I feel like everyone is in the same boat. Yeah. So I feel like it's a great time to reach out to your friends and be like, let's video chat. I love and that. And like, I feel like I see um, I in Girls Night in this morning, they had a list of games that you could play over video chat with like oh, I saw an- that. another person. So I feel like even if it's like awkward to just video chat, there's um, activities that you can do. Yes, absolutely. Honestly, my high, the only time I really feel good is when we're doing something good. So I know you helped Alex today. I, I helped did. her on Wednesday. We drove all over Har- Harlem and I was kind of like the co-pilot director person. You had way more of a role than I did. I just made sure the car didn't get a ticket. Yeah, that was the original role. But what happened was we got this list. Um, The system was just really disorganized. So I made us a Google map and we just like we were much more efficient that way. But that felt really good. I made a donation to Food Bank here in New York and that felt good. Um, Just like I feel like the only time I feel great is when I'm doing something to help. So I'm just trying to figure out more ways to help. I just signed up for Oh, I just signed up for a service called Call to Care. We can put it in the Facebook group. But basically, they match you with a senior citizen, and they become your buddy. And you just, like, talk to them a few times a week. And, like, it just – the idea is to make people feel less alone. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I think it's just, like, an easy way that we can help from yeah. our houses. I also just feel like getting some distance from the news has been yes. really crucial. I've been really addicted to the CNN live feed that updates eight zillion times a day yeah and i i find i closed it out i distanced myself from the new york times app earlier this week but i held on to cnn yeah and i like closed it out i was like check it at the end of the day you don't need to have it as like throughout the day minute by minute updates because i feel like it's just it's really easy to fall into a, a hole yes i agree i um did that yesterday i didn't watch the news at all. I watch the news on my TV. I'll I'll have it on as background noise when I'm working and stuff. And I don't really recommend it. Today I was glued to it because I wanted to find out if New York's getting shut down. And Mm. it seems like it it is. I don't really think it's much different. Especially for you, that's not a big difference in what you've already been doing. Yeah, it's not different from what we're doing. But I think hopefully the other people will have to stay in now. When we were driving around Harlem, people were like out. I was like, why are you in mobs of people? I was going to say it does really feel like people have been staying in. Like I I walk myself now. I'm my own dog. (laughs) I walk myself every day at four o'clock if I can or I move it up or back an hour if I have like calls or something. But I've actually noticed it's really shocking to me how few people are out on the streets. And honestly, it seems like most people who are out, I see a lot of um, couples of babies who are just getting fresh air or like people yeah. with dogs like it, it seems like most people are staying in which is great yes um but i don't know it already feels like people are 
at least in our like small neighborhood. Yes. It feels like people are taking it seriously. Yeah. And that makes me happy. Um, So we're at a kind of weird time in society. Yeah. We live in the same building. So our plan is to continue business as usual in terms of posting every Wednesday. I think there'll probably be fewer guests. We have one guest that we already recorded with. But outside of that, it'll probably be just us for a while. Or I mean, who knows? Maybe we can team up with some of our other friends who have podcasts that have microphone setups at home. Yeah. But um, yeah, I would love to hear what you want to hear from us, you being listeners. So, you know, DM us or come to the Facebook group and and let us know what content would be helpful. I put up a question box in my story the other day to ask. And um, what were some of the requests? Cooking was a big one. Okay. So like, what are you cooking? And then like distractions, like almost like our book episode from last two weeks ago mm-hmm. but for tv and movies and podcasts and oh, like fun. just distractions people also just wanted like funny stories yeah um and like somebody was like can you guys just get drunk and talk and i was like yeah sure i mean if I, you want <laughs> oh my god could you imagine if we just like have like two glasses of wine at the beginning and then start recording and have that third <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, sure, give the people what they want. I need to feel better. Like, no more allergies, and I'm in. So, yeah, it's been really interesting. But if you have specific <laughs> ideas of what you'd like to hear, do you want us to get drunk on the pod? I mean, hey, we're, we're no here, skin off my back. We're here to be your distraction. We're also going to, like, obviously keep it real and tell you how we're feeling, but we're here to to distract you. So, let us know what you want. Yeah. And um, if you're grateful for the distraction, leave us a review. Please. We would really appreciate that. We I'm I'm not trying to like strum my tiny violin. Um but like we we have had a lot of advertisers cancel and you know we want we're going to do this anyway because we're bored and live in the same building and it's social connection for us too. Yeah. But um yeah, do us a solid and leave us a review. Put it up on your story and share that you love this podcast maybe for other people you know to discover it and yeah. yeah, and tell all your friends and your family and just everyone. No, just kidding. But we're we're here to be your fake friends throughout this while you're isolated. So yeah. yeah. So let's get into this book. But I guess before we do, let's take a very quick ad break. Yes. Um, we're really excited to talk about Beauty Counter this week. I have been hunkering down. Becca's been hunkering down. And our skincare routine has become even more important. For me, like, and this is before all this happened, skincare is my therapy. Yeah, this is really exciting for me, mostly because I am totally new to Beauty Counter and I got to try a bunch of their products. And you know that I'm trying to go as clean as possible with all of the products in my life and in my routine. And if you're not familiar, Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in in 2013, and they're disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in personal care products we use daily. Yes. So you already eat clean. You tidy your home with safer cleaning products. So why are you putting on makeup and skincare products that have questionable ingredients? So they make products for the whole family, and they have a really rigorous ingredient selection process. And I love that they're dedicated to educating people on questionable and harmful ingredients to avoid. And they're also advocates for more health protective laws for the beauty industry. That's one of the things that I love so much about them. They are a really good company. They have a whole page on their website with all of their policies and like social causes that they support and things. And I just... 
it makes me proud to be affiliated with them. But I will just say today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand, creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. And it's crazy. They have this thing on their site called The Never List, which has over 1,800 questionable ingredients that they never use. So today we're going to focus on the brand's more recently launched Countertime Collection. It's a safer alternative to retinol. I actually reviewed this collection on my blog like, oh, I don't know when it first came out, like six months ago, not sponsored or anything. So you can tell I really do love these products. Um, my favorites within the line are the um, the serum and then the lighter cream. But this um, this line is meant to keep skin youthful and hydrated with plant based ingredients like Bakuchiol, so you get all those age-defying benefits without any of the concerns like sun sensitivity and skin irritation. The whole line is fantastic. Um, Again, though, the serum and that lightweight moisturizer are my two favorites. Oh, I didn't get the lightweight moisturizer. It's so nice. And I usually like heavier, but like the lightweight moisturizer is just, it sinks in immediately. I think it's really good too if you use a serum in essence because you're doing all those steps. Like I don't always need like something super rich and creamy if I've put on essence and serum. Yeah. So I will echo what Grace said about the countertime serum. I've been really liking that one. And then to zoom out a little bit to some of their other products, I talked last week about their brightening serum. It's like the counter plus line, I think. And first of all, it smells like a clementine, which I really, really like. And also, I think it's a really great it's it's great price wise between I've tried some cheaper stuff and I'm not going to name names and it didn't really agree with my skin. I'll put it that way. Well, you're really sensitive, I feel I, like. I am very sensitive. Little bumps if it's not. Yeah. And then, you know, but it's it's way cheaper than the really expensive stuff. So I really like where it sits in terms of price versus quality. And um, the other thing I'll say is I'm very into the lip sheer, which is like a... I love the lip sheer. It's like a lipstick, but it's really, it's like not... Which color is your favorite? Oh, I don't remember. It's kind of pinky. It's like the your lips, but better color. That I have the rose one, and that's what that is. I bet. You I bet it's rose. the same one. I don't know the name of it. Wait, tell me about Dew Skin. Oh, I like the Dew Skin too. It's, that's my favorite. Um, it's a tinted moisturizer, which usually I don't love, um, but I love the way it goes on. It it has glow in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's mica or like the oil or something whatever, healthy. but it's like you know, it's something that makes me feel radiant. Yeah, love that it is sunscreen in it. Really into it. I am personally very excited to explore more of beauty counters makeup because mm-hmm. I feel like I've had a really hard time finding makeup with natural ingredients that I like yeah. like I always feel like my POV is like it's good for natural yeah but I feel like this is just good so I'm it's really good. excited to you should try, try the more. brow gel oh that should be your next one I don't usually like brow gel I usually do a brow pencil I'll see if they oh. have one yeah I have a heart I Brow pencil is one of the things I've had the hardest time going clean on. Hmm. It's such a small thing, but yeah. yeah. So anyways, this is a, we're we're going so over on this ad, but we love this brand. So this is a fantastic line. If you're newer to skincare and maybe you're not so sure about how layering and mixing and matching products works, this is a great way to find a system that is safe and effective and all the products are meant to work together. And we have an offer. So for a limited time, new customers can get 10% off your first purchase of $100 or more at beautycounter.com with promo code BOP. So again, that's 10% off your entire 
purchase of $100 or more at beautycounter.com, but only if you use the promo code BOP. And this expires at the end of March. So hurry. Again, beautycounter.com, promo code BOP. And I feel like that's a big deal. I don't feel like they do they a don't lot of do discounts. Very many discounts. Yeah. Yeah. So, Grace, shall we get into this book? Should we start with a plot summary? Yes, let's summarize. So the book opens with Noah being chased by two bullies. Noah is this sensitive, artistic 13-year-old, but he's saved because one of the bullies has a crush on his twin sister, Jude, and he doesn't want to ruin his chances. Meanwhile, Jude, his sister, is a bit of a daredevil. She surfs, um, cliff dives, and she's always hanging out with the boys. So Jude and Noah live with their parents in Northern California, and both of their parents are professors, except their dad is incredibly practical and their mom is kind of ethereal and a little bit flighty. And so at dinner one night, their mom tells the family that Jude and Noah's recently deceased grandmother visited her in her car and told her that the kids should apply to a local arts high school. And Noah is totally into this idea because art is his thing. While Jude thinks the school is for weirdos, and even though she secretly makes these incredible sand sculptures that only Noah knows about, she's not as into the school. So then we flash the second timeline, which is narrated by Jude. So her and Noah are now 16 years old, and they're not speaking. She is a sophomore at CSA, which is that art school we referenced, but Noah didn't get in. We also learn that their mom died in a car accident two years ago. Jude is focusing on sculpture, but for the past two years, all of her pieces break, and she believes that it's the vengeful ghost of her mother trying to send her a message. Meanwhile, after his rejection from CSA, Noah has completely stopped drawing. Jude is on the edge of expulsion for failing, and she tells her advisor she needs to work in stone, um, except the school doesn't have a teacher with that expertise. So instead, her advisor suggests that they ask Guillermo Garcia, a mysterious recluse who lives in town and was previously dubbed the rock star of the sculpture world. So in the timeline when they're 16, Jude has sworn off boys after her mother died. So when her mom accidentally drove off a cliff, Jude was losing her virginity to a popular older boy. And she thinks that her mom's death is karmic retribution for that. So now in the present, she's sitting in an empty church near Garcia's house, and she's trying to figure out how to make her case to him to be her mentor. And she meets this British guy who she's incredibly intrigued by in the church. And she doesn't know it yet, but it turns out that that boy is Garcia's assistant. Meanwhile, in the past, Noah is grappling with having feelings for boys and is generally feeling like an outcast, even within his own family. First, he starts taking... Or watching, because he doesn't actually go there, a figure drawing class at CSA from the outside of the building. So his whole world is turned upside down when the nude model is a man. On break, he meets the model outside where he's watching the class. The model is a drunk British guy who's a bit of a mess, but compliments Noah's art and promises he'll keep it a secret that he's auditing the class. Meanwhile, that same summer, a new neighbor moves in. Um, It's a boy who goes to boarding school on the East Coast. Noah and the new boy, Brian, strike up a friendship, which is notable because Noah doesn't have any other friends besides Jude. So Noah spends the whole summer, he's 13, with Brian. And it's just friendship, but they both feel something more beneath the surface. And all the time that Noah spends with Brian also starts to cause a rift between him and Jude. So 
The last night of the summer at Brian's going away party, Noah is desperate to kiss Brian. But instead, the group plays Seven Minutes in Heaven, and Noah ends up with a girl named Heather, and Brian ends up with Jude. So Noah is furious. Jude kissing Brian is completely unforgivable to him. So he goes home and he destroys all of the photos that he took of Jude's sand sculptures and also all of the pictures that he's ever drawn of Brian. In Jude's timeline, Noah and Jude have flip-flopped. Now he's the popular and quote-unquote normal one, and she's the freak. Since her mother's death, she's become incredibly superstitious and is a bit of a hypochondriac. After approaching Garcia, he screams at her and tells her to leave. But after researching him more, she can't stay away and sneaks into his studio watching him sculpt. He's about to destroy his sculpture and she cries out, which leads to them having a heart-to-heart and he agrees to mentor her. So Guillermo starts teaching Jude to carve in stone, but that also means that she's spending more time with Oscar, who's the Brit from the church, who's also Guillermo's model-slash-assistant-slash-roommate-slash-adoptive son. So despite her boy ban, Jude is falling really hard and fast for Oscar. Back in Noah's timeline, Brian has gone back to school and Noah is absolutely miserable. He's also convinced that Jude and Brian are in love and can't forgive her for that. In a fit of uncertainty about his life, he goes to see Guillermo Garcia, an artist that the British model told him about. He he scales his fire escape and watches his class, and Garcia's talent absolutely blows him away. But as he's leaving... He runs into his mother in her car. His mother has been acting really strange lately, but he figures she just must have followed him there. Um, Shortly after that, their parents announce that they are separating. So the night that their dad leaves, Noah and Jude make up. So Jude tells him that nothing happened between her and Brian. She actually likes an older surfer boy named Zephyr. And then Brian comes home for Christmas break. So the day he gets home, Noah and Brian finally kiss, and it is everything that Noah has built it up to be in his mind. So another night, the same break, they're in Noah's room fooling around, and his mom walks in, and Brian completely loses it. So he's very closeted, and he's terrified of word getting around at his boarding school. So he storms out, and Noah, on the other hand, is just scared that his mom is going to tell his dad and he doesn't have a great relationship with his dad and he thinks that his dad isn't going to approve. So he thinks that his mom is going to go meet his dad to tell him. So he follows her. But actually, he finds that his mom is having an affair with Guillermo Garcia and he sees them together. The day of her car accident, their mom was actually going to ask their dad for a divorce. So after their mom died, Noah and Jude get ready to apply for a CSA. But when they mailed them, Jude only mailed her own application. This is why Jude believes her mother destroys everything that she makes. The guilt has been eating away at Jude, and in her timeline, she finally decides to give up her spot at CSA and offer it up to Noah. The night that she decides that, Heather texts her that Noah is drunk and about to jump off a cliff into the ocean on a dare. Jude rushes to save him, but ultimately it's Oscar who tackles him before he jumps. Worlds collide. Oscar and Noah know each other from the CSA class that Noah was watching from outside. Oscar is the guy in the portrait that Jude bargained the son for. So later that night, Oscar comes to Jude's window and they kiss and they realize that they are fated to be together. But while he's in her room, he sees a family photo and completely freaks out and leaves. So then the next day, when Jude shows her studies for her sculpture to Guillermo, he realizes that Diana, who was his lover, was also Jude's mother. 
So Noah already knows this, and he ends up showing up at the studio, and all of their secrets start to come out. So Noah lied and told everyone that their mom was going to reconcile with their dad, but she was actually going to ask him for a divorce. Jude didn't mail Noah's CSA application, and both of them really blamed themselves for their mother's death. So after everything comes out, actually neither of them are mad, and they're just happy to be able to go back to being a unit again, to being Noah and Jude, one word. Wow. Okay, before we get into the discussion, let's take a quick break to talk about the night pillow. Becca, how are you sleeping right now? I am sleeping okay. However, my bedtime has gotten later and later during self-isolation. I need to bring some structure back to my life. Um, I haven't been sleeping as well as I'd like to either. And one of my goals is just to cut back on the red wine, get my sleep environment back in order. Things like stretching, CBD, reading before bed, getting into bed at a reasonable hour, and of course, the night pillow. One thing that I have been doing that helps me sleep is I have two of the king pillows, and I found that putting my putting one of them between my knees and hugging it like a <laughs> kind of like a partner, um, spooning it a little bit, really helps me fall asleep. Oh, that sounds nice. I always spoon a pillow. Yeah. So. Yeah, sleeping is one of our favorite activities, and especially right now, I feel like having a good sleep routine is extra important. So this pillow is probably my number one sleep hack. I am newer to the pillow, but I've been using mine for about a year. And what I like about it is that it's a memory foam pillow. So the pillow cushions your head, but it also rebounds when you turn over. And that's a really big deal to me because my sleep flaw, I guess, is that I toss and turn a lot and I I wake myself up. And there is nothing worse than when your pillow gets like a pancake and it feels like you have no pillow at all. So I also feel like this pillow gives me such good support, which helps me stay asleep, but it also because it keeps my neck comfortable. Yeah. I got mine probably five years ago after trying it at a friend's house. I I know we always say this, but it really is magic. She wouldn't let me sleep with hers, but I tried it out and I knew I needed my own. And I've been a convert ever since. It's literally the best pillow ever. And let's also talk about their signature silk pillowcase. So the night pillow comes with a silk pillowcase, but then you can also buy these pillowcases separately and put them on any pillow that you have at home. And a silk pillowcase is a total game changer for your skin and your hair. Yeah, it really is. So on the skin side, it helps to prevent wrinkles and also breakouts. Um, One thing that we learned from talking to their team is that silk actually isn't absorbent. So that really helps you to keep your beauty products on your face as opposed to having them absorb into your pillowcase. And it keeps your pillowcase from absorbing grease, dust mites, beauty products, etc. So you're not lying in that gunk night after night. And on the hair side, a silk pillowcase helps you to preserve a blowout longer since your hair doesn't snag on the fibers. So I usually find that I can get an extra day out of my hair since using the night pillow, which is very major for me as a reformed daily hair washer slash styler. So I'm also completely obsessed with their scrunchies. I typically sleep in one and I love that I can put my hair up at night without getting a crease. Yes, the scrunchies are so great. I'm wearing one right now. Um, But the other thing that I love is their sheet masks. So I've been doing a lot more masking at home and these are great. They are made from real silk. I feel like they stay on your face a little bit better than like a traditional paper sheet mask and they contain tiny gold particles so your skin is super soft and really glowy afterwards so many of our listeners have tried and love the night pillow but we get it sleep is really personal and i think trying is believing here and that's why i love that night has a 100 night return policy so you can buy the pillow sleep on it for 100 nights and if you don't love it you can return it no questions asked 
And two other things. First of all, Knight is a small women-run business. Yes. And second, I just think that if you're staying inside more, sleep is a priority to me. And so this is a good time to treat yourself to something. I think it's more expensive than you might usually pay for a pillow. But if you think of it on a cost per sleep basis, like the the sleeping equivalent of cost per wear, it's like nothing. You use this every day. Exactly. We have an offer for you. You can use code BOP20 to take 20% off your order at discovernight.com. Again, that's BOP20 to get 20% off your order at discovernight.com. Grace, so this book. This book I have read it before. You haven't. I want to know your just like your high level thoughts, impressions, feelings. So high level thoughts, impressions, and feelings are that this was like the perfect quarantine read because it was just so magical and everything worked out so well in the end. Like we didn't talk about this, but when at the end, when we find out that Brian has come out of the closet and like achieved all this recognition for being the first openly gay pitcher or whatever it was, that made me sob. I felt like everything was just like, okay. And I needed a book where everything was like, okay, and happy in the end. I actually have a gripe with the end of the Brian plotline because I wanted to see it close up. I wanted to see him and Noah reunite. But yes, yes, I did too. I I just loved this book. It it made me so happy. I read it for the first time over the summer. It's old. It's from, I think, like 2014 or 2015. Yes. Hadn't heard about it at the time. Ashley Spivey came on the podcast last February and recommended it. And I read this and I was like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. And since then, it's kind of been on my blanket recommendation list if a friend needs a book. And all of my friends who have read it have just loved it. Like it's just such a, it's a warm hug book. I do have to say at the beginning, and I want to say this because I did get a few DMs from readers who were just like, can't get into the book. The writing style is too flowery and over the top. Um, I felt that way for a lot of Noah's stuff in the beginning. And then like, I was like, oh, thank God Jude's narrating now because she's like more level-headed or what have you. Um, it took me a little while to get into his style of writing. Oh, that's interesting. Or narrating, rather. The writing style is, I think, what made this book for me. Because if you didn't read the book and you just heard us go through the description, like, yeah, it's fine. But I feel like the writing style, it, like, it felt a little magic. To me, it just like it made it so special and wonderful that mm-hmm. I, oh, I I just like I loved it. Yeah. I mean, I really loved it, too. It just took me a little while to get into because that's not, you know, I like things that are more like matter of fact and directly right. written. It is jarring. It's I mean, so Noah is an artist and one of his character quirks is that he he paints in his mind Mm -hmm. and then he also describes things that are happening he gives them titles as if they're paintings yes and they're like kind of funny like you know he's like being chased by a bully and he'll like name it as a painting um I don't I loved it I just I thought that was it was so unique and I thought the writing style just overall again it made it feel like magic but it also was just like what made the book special to me like I feel like there was also this book had its own universe in terms of like tone. Like it kind of felt like you were part of their family where obviously they're speaking English, but they had all of these um, phrases or, or ways to say something that were specific to them. And I love that it was like kind of world building, but in a, you know, usually you associate world building with like a fantasy novel. Yeah. But this was like just within a Northern California family. Like, 
their their grandmother was like an, an eccentric and um she calls somebody who's a little crazy that they're missing buttons yes i loved her little bible and like all the little anecdotes that were interspersed into jude's chapters right because jude has become like um just very superstitious and all of these superstitions are from what is her grandmother's bible which is not a real bible it's just all of her wisdom written down and it's like crazy old lady gobbledygook yeah it's like if you, if if you give a boy if a boy gives you an orange like he'll your like, love take, for him will grow yeah so she so oscar keeps giving her an orange and she keeps like throwing it back at him right and she like carries onions around in her pockets yeah um, like she's like nuts but it's this whole world that makes sense yes. because of their grandmother and because of like their family history so i felt like very entrenched in this like the sweet wine family yeah this that i think we're going to talk about that but that for me reminded me of another one of our favorite books yes absolutely so i'm curious which sibling's story did you like more i liked jude's story more and i would say that because it was more straightforwardly written but also i really liked all of the stuff like with her art and with her relationship with Guillermo and the relationship with Oscar like I don't know I just I love a story where there's like a grumpy older man that like turns like comes around and like turns nice like I felt like he was so redeeming like he was like clearly very sad and brokenhearted and we find that it's because of the loss that he's experienced with her mother which no one even knows i just loved how it all came together but how he kind of opens up his heart to her and like takes her in and like there's one point where he kind of refers to her like if if you're my daughter like because she's spending all this time with oscar i don't know i i really liked her storyline i actually like noah's better i i thought you did because you like that but you also liked the paint, the word painting. I loved that. But I also, I like an underdog. And it, yeah. it, they both did bad things to each other. And, you know, like neither of them was faultless. But in Noah's storyline, it was made to seem like Jude was like, not the bad guy in like a murdery way, but just that, I don't know, I like an underdog. And I felt yeah. like, I felt like Jude was being a little bit of a bitch. I liked her storyline too. But then she was such an underdog in her own chapters. Yeah, but I was I really hated her for not mailing his application. Like you don't find that out to the end. I felt like she was a little nutso in her storyline in a way that I was like, ooh, like See, I thought Noah was a little nutso the way that he he talked. No, he was wonderful. I I loved them both, don't get me wrong, but I thought they were both a little crazy in their own ways. It did make me like the unit of the two of them. I mean, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, but I mean my not my greatest wish, but I've just always wanted a twin. Yeah. I feel like the Olsen twins sold it real hard. Yeah. Escape to Witch Mountain sold it real hard. They definitely had twin ESP going. Yeah. Where like they could read each other's mind. And I'm I'm frankly jealous of that twindom. Yes. Did you want a twin? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I um like I've always really wanted a twin. Like I think everyone wants a twin growing up. I more wanted a girl twin. I was less intrigued by having a twin of the opposite oh, sex. Yeah. However, I would have taken a boy twin. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I would have taken any twin. Yeah. But I really wanted to have a twin that you could switch places with. Mm-hmm. Well, Parent Trap and those movies like really sold that. Hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like one of the big perks of twindom. Yes. Um. Can we also talk about the two love stories? Yes. About 
Noah and Brian's love story mm-hmm. versus Jude and Oscar's love story. Or not necessarily versus, but just in general. Which love story did you like better? <sighs> I don't know. I liked them both equally. Yeah. I Maybe I liked Jude and Oscar's love story a little bit more. It was it was faded in a way that mm-hmm. felt... Um, oh my God, like the prophecy and stuff. Yeah, like there was a... Uh, the description I so I wrote this down because I wanted to read it because it just made me feel so like warm and fuzzy and happy the description of how Jude feels when she meets Oscar from her grandmother's bible is meeting your soulmate is like walking into a house you've been in before you will recognize the furniture the pictures on the wall the books on the shelves the contents of the drawers you could find your way around in the dark if you had to and I just thought that was so wonderful we're in Jude's case, it was like it was like this faded attraction because she was being such a weirdo. Mm-hmm. She has like cut all of her hair off. She's wearing these baggy clothes, like she keeps being compared to a potato, and because she's wearing these like brown, oversized, lumpy clothes, and yes. she's carrying around an onion in her pocket, like she's such a weirdo. And I and I loved that like Oscar saw her and wanted to be with her despite. And because of how quirky she was and like it, there was an immediate comfort there. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. But I mean, I liked them both. I just felt a little more intrigued by Jude and Oscar's storyline because of the interconnection with Oscar and Noah and like Oscar's past. Like, I guess I was just like a little more like, ooh, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. What did you think? I, I loved both of the I, I loved both of the love stories i just i had this soft spot for jude because she had become like this weirdo and like was just so all alone and had sworn off boys and then i loved when i put two and two together that the english guy that noah had met was her english guy too yeah um i think both of them like when they found the person that they they had a romantic relationship with in the book they were both they were both weirdos yes and um there was something, especially in Noah and Brian's story, about finding somebody that's the same kind of weird as you or gets your weird. Yes. Especially because Noah didn't have any friends. Like, he was just this, like, little outcast kid who was only in his own mind. And he, like, cared a ton about painting and animals. And then Brian comes and he really cares about space. And it's like, yeah, oh, like, I see you. I get you. Yeah, I know. When Brian um had the the suitcase full of rocks and like use them to like throw them to defend them my heart just like melted i know i was really happy i was really rooting for both of them yes same i felt i don't know i mean with noah and brian i so i didn't describe this in the plot summary but basically what happens is that after um brian runs away from noah noah yells in front he sees Brian with a girl pretending to be straight and he's like he's gay and um and Brian like that was like unforgivable to him so he like kind of outed him and Brian like didn't forgive him but I was mad at Brian for once he came out not going back to Noah I know but he was so betrayed like I know but I was mad at him I was I was mad at him too but I I didn't expect him to I was like yeah like what Noah did was really bad I kind of once he was out of the closet, I kind of wanted him to see that, like, not that it was meant to happen, not because he should have been outed, but just that, like, Noah and him had something really special. And yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I know. Oh, I also just I I felt like I really liked how fate was a theme in this book. And I'm starting to realize that I hadn't put it together, but maybe I I really like books where like the theme is fate. I think you do. Um and we have one for next month that we'll talk about, but oh we were talking God. to the author of that book and she brought it she brought it up that she's really interested in that. And as she was talking, I was like, Oh yeah, I think me too. Mm-hmm. But I loved the like I guess just like the interconnectedness of the whole story yes. of like Guillermo being their mother's lover mm-hmm. and then being the teacher and then like, oh, there was just so much, so much interconnection. Yeah. And also the storyline, there's this like funny part in um throughout the book where there's a parrot who lives next door to them and the only thing the parrot says is, where's Ralph? <laughs> And they're all like super annoyed by the parrot the whole book. And it's so cute. But then it turned that Oscar's last name is Ralph. Yes. And I just like, I was like, oh my God, Squee, this is just so cute and heartwarming. Yes. So cute. And mm-hmm. also the the storyline on both sides. So that Oscar's mom had prophesied that he would meet Jude. Like he had kind of a rough past. He was like a drug addict and um, was like an alcoholic. And he lost his mom when he was a teenager. And his mom's last words were about how he would meet a girl in a church and she would like, she would be the light. Yes. And um, so there was that. But then also we find out at the end that um, Oscar actually knew Jude's mother and he'd said to her, you're not allowed to meet her until she's 25 because you two are going to fall in love and that's going to be it for you. So it was like prophesized from both ends. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes. I just I loved that. Yeah. And I also love, I'll, I'll get off of this in a second, but I also loved, so the the title of the book references the scene where Jude and Noah have this game that they play where they bargain the sun and the moon and the stars and the ocean and the flowers, um, and they trade them back and forth for things, and Jude gives away everything except for the flowers, and she says, "I'll give you the sun," which I guess is like the big, the big ticket item, mm-hmm. in exchange for this cubist portrait that Noah had drawn of Oscar. And oh she God, didn't know, know that it was Oscar, but she just was like, "I need this." She felt like such an attraction to this portrait of him, which was cubist, so I guess it wouldn't even have been like, but it was him. Yeah, you wouldn't have been like, "Oh, that's that guy." And then it turns out that he's like the love of her life. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, let's keep in mind they're only 16. But yes, I love like of to, her life. I would like far. to think it's the love of her life. I know. Me too. I just I love the interconnected that it all came together and somewhat that it was like out of their control that it was meant to be. Yes. I don't know. There's some comfort in that. Yes. Agreed. Wait, so should we take a quick sponsor break? Quick break. So today's episode is brought to you by Rothy's. In these unusual times, Rothy's hopes to brighten your day with beautiful, sustainable products and content. So when Rothy's first approached us about advertising, I'd seen their shoes before, but I'd never tried them. And fast forward to now, I am a total convert. I'm obsessed. Their slip-on sneakers are currently my go-to, and it is pretty much all I've been wearing for the past two months. So I have two pairs. I have one pair in black and one pair in tan. And the first thing I'll say is that they are so incredibly comfortable. So I've been going on really long walks and trying to get in 10,000 steps, and I wear these all the time on my walks. And 
They're super comfortable. They were comfortable right out of the box, which is really major for me because I do not have the patience to break in shoes. And I also think they're really cute and versatile. So I can wear them with jeans and a sweater and I feel put together. I can also wear them with workout clothes to run errands. I feel like they kind of go with everything. But they are not just cute and comfortable. One of the coolest things about Rothy's is that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles. So to date, Rothy's has diverted over 50 million water bottles from landfills. And another big plus is that all of their shoes are machine washable. So if they start to look dingy, you can just throw them in the wash and they are good as new. Although don't dry them because they're plastic. So I think they would melt. And in addition to sneakers, they also have some very cute loafers, and they have their signature pointed ballet flats, which is what they're best known for. And all of their shoes come in a ton of really cute colors and prints. They have a very cute leopard print that I was tempted by, and they launch new colors every couple of weeks. So check out all of the amazing shoes and also bags available right now at rothys.com slash B-O-P. So go to R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash B-O-P to get your new favorite flats. Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash B-O-P today. All right, back to the episode. So I think that in addition to fate, there was a, a lot of um, grief was a pretty prevalent theme too. Because totally. both twins blame themselves for their mother's death. Totally. I think it was really interesting that obviously neither of them are at fault for their mother's death. It was completely an accident. It wasn't like she was upset about something. Like Neither of them are to blame, but they both took it so hard. And I thought that that was, it was, well, I mean, it's really real, but also it's just interesting that that was what was keeping them apart Mm -hmm. was their separate guilt about their mother dying and them thinking that it was their fault. So instead of supporting each other, it actually fractured them. Mm -hmm. But in Jude's case, I thought it was particularly interesting because her and her mom had been fighting because she was, you know, like a 14-year-old girl. And as 14-year-old girls are wont to do, she was wearing clothes that her mom didn't approve of and like trying to be, you know, she was trying to wear makeup that her mom didn't want her to wear. And it was like, you know, like I get that. Mm -hmm. And they had this whole fight about her mom saying um don't be that girl yes and then jude felt that by having sex with this boy who did somewhat take advantage of her like she wanted it but maybe regretted it um that she became that girl Mm -hmm. and like i i felt so bad for her because she was in such this like confusing pivotal time and like she felt like she let her mom down And obviously her mom was dead, so she couldn't, like, actually feel assured that her mom loved her anyway. I I felt so bad for Jude. And, and, like, even though she went a little nutty in how she reacted to it, like, I just – my heart, like, really broke for her. Yeah, same, same. I think it was also interesting the way that the kids could only see, like, what was in front of them and not, like, the bigger picture. Like, when Noah – um sees his mom by Guillermo's studio, he's just like, oh, she's clearly following me. Like, well, it's I mean, just like, because when you're a kid, you're so, everything is around you. And like, totally what, what you're 
thing is. So it's only natural that they would then internalize their mother's death the way that they did. Totally. I mean, I, I think that's so true that, you know, like kids see their parents as furniture because you just like take it for granted. Like, yeah, they're there to serve you and, you know, they don't have their own stuff. Yes. And yeah, it was it was so interesting that both of them, they kind of just like wanted their parents to be together, even though it seemed like the parents were like just not a great fit. Yeah. And it didn't seem like either it didn't seem like their dad was like completely heartbroken over them separating either. And so like it was so interesting when at the end um, and sorry, at the end when Noah confesses that he had lied about what was happening and the father was just like, oh, that makes more sense. Right. Where they were like just he wasn't torn up over it. Right. Like they didn't have any. They just wanted their parents to be together because they were their parents. Like they didn't have any conception of like that their parents being like polar opposites and as a couple not working like it was just like it was like it's about us yeah they just didn't want change they wanted their stable family unit right um but yeah i thought that was really well told Me too. I, I also thought there was a really interesting theme of like having a multitude of selves and and in both of their cases it was really funny not funny haha funny but ironic i guess that in the second plot line jude had become a weirdo mm-hmm. and Noah had become normal and both of them felt like they were hiding like it was not their true self and how like you can be different people for different people mm-hmm. like you know Noah by himself versus Noah with Brian versus Noah with Heather his best friend versus Noah on the cross-country team in front of, like, strangers. I I thought it was a really interesting way to put it of, like, where you feel most natural, but, like, who you can become in order to fit in. I don't know. I just thought, um, to, like, to that point, kind of, the portrayal of middle school and, like, pubescent feelings was, like, so sensitively told. Mm -hmm. You know, like, obviously, like, 13-year-old boys are kind of gross, and the way that Noah's feelings were told about how he was thinking about himself and his sexuality and his unpopular unpopularity, like, I don't know, like, it was just, it was so compassionately told that you understood the multitude of selves that he had. Yeah. As opposed to just being a gross seventh grade boy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, wait, you were saying that it, this reminded you of another book. I think we're on the yes. same page. Um, so Matchmaking for Beginners, which, guys, if you haven't read that book, please write it down and add it to your list. That would be a great um, social isolation book, too. Although, watch out, because I sobbed oh my, my way through that book. I cried so hard. In a, in a happy-ish way, kind of. Yeah. But, oh, God, I sobbed my way through that book. Yeah, same. But it, it did. It, re- it has the same the fate. The fate theme. and the magic. It does feel like magically written. And it also has a nutty old lady character. Yeah. I I really like a nutty old lady side character. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. I Because in this book, we didn't talk about it, but in Jude's plot line, she's constantly in conversation with her dead grandmother's ghost, mm-hmm. who's like this very brassy old lady. Yeah. I like a nutty old lady character. Yeah. I don't know. How did so wait? How did you feel about the ending? 
I liked the ending. I um I think that you're gonna say that you wish there was more resolution I with, do. with Brian and Noah, and I do too. It was it was kind of medium. Like I, I realized so this morning when I was doing the outline for this, I realized that I forgot to outline the last 30 pages. And I was like, basically, everyone just forgives each other and like everything's okay. Yeah. Which was fine. It was the resolution that I wanted, but I didn't feel like Noah's story had like the concrete conclusion because it was both he'd been accepted to CSA, but it wasn't clear if he was going, which is fine. Like, what does he actually want? Like, I was fine with that ambiguity. But there was also this plot line of Brian was at Stanford, which was right near them. And he was out of the closet. And Noah had been posting to this like missed connections type website for him. And Brian responded. And I was like, no, that's not enough for me. Yes, I know. I wanted some some more resolution. I wanted like a very concrete happily ever after for them. Yeah. I I mean, I, I liked the ending. I was happy that Noah and Jude saw past all of their misgivings against one another mm-hmm. and were like, oh, we're better together. I also liked there was a whole um, plot point earlier in the book that they couldn't play rock, paper, scissors because every time they played, they picked the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I also liked that at the end, it was like they're back together, but they tried to play rock, paper, scissors and like they didn't pick the same thing. So they'd also grown as individuals. Yes. I don't know. I mean, I guess there's probably downsides to being a twin. Yeah, there definitely like is. Like lack of individuality or... Yeah. I mean, it, maybe if it's a, your twin is the same gender. Or feeling like so much of your identity is tied up to another person. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I loved this book. Yeah. I love it so much. I, I really hope um, that people who read it for the first time loved it. Or if you revisited it, that it was a warm hug for you too. Yeah. In these times. Agree. It was a warm hug of a book. Shall we talk about some other matter? Yes. Becca, what are you obsessed with this week? So I am continuing to be obsessed with my pandemic pants. They're only available in light gray now. They've sold out. Did yours color. come yet? Yeah, I got the oatmeal and the and the dark gray. Have you worn them yet? Yes, I like them. I love them. They're, They're really so soft. comfortable. They're really soft. I ordered two more pairs. <laughs> I now have four pairs. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, this is going to go I on I want to see how they do it in the wash. I have no idea how they do it in the wash. But they're $19.99 on sale. So I was yeah. like, you know what? Worth it. I also already have a lot of good sweatsuits. Like I have this one that I'm wearing right now. I just bought – well, my obsession is going to be the – well, continue with your obsession. And I'll tell mine. Okay. So continuing on the pandemic pants obsession. But then my other obsession that is new is um, Little Fires Everywhere came out on Hulu. I know just the first three episodes, so which we've already seen. I'm dying. Yeah, so I'm we like, please release more episodes. I know. So a couple of weeks ago, we went. We were guests on Random House has a podcast that they are doing called The Adaptables, and they should go listen to it. You should go listen to it. They're recapping every episode of the show with a different guest. I think Taylor Jenkins Reid was a guest. I don't remember who we the other guests. one. We were guests, but anyway, Celeste Ng makes some cameos. So we were the guest on the third episode. So we had to watch the first two episodes so that we understood what was happening. Such a chore. Such a chore. So we watched the first three and I loved it. And so I'm very excited for new ones to come out so that I can partake in new episodes. I just I liked it so much. I I thought Carrie Washington 
who I'm just a fan of in general, was is so good in it. I think this is some of her best acting I've seen. I mean, let's not talk down on Olivia Pope, please. I know, I know. Olivia I stayed Pope. with that show until the bitter end. I did too. We both watched all every single episode. So, what's your obsession? My obsession, I have two, is a um a tie dye sweatsuit from PJ Salvage that I'm obsessed with. I've seen it on you. It's very cute. It's so soft. It's it's like the same kind of fabric as the pandemic pants. It's just like the really soft, like it feels it's peached. The cotton is peached is the term, which just makes it like really like like soft and fluffy, like kind of like that cashmere feeling. My other one I'm wearing right now is these Ugg slippers, which I copied Katie on. And I had wanted them because she wears them as like outerwear because they do have a rubber sole. Um, And I've seen her just like wearing them with like her Max Mara teddy coat like out as streetwear. So I don't think you'll get this because you are not into TikTok. And I will say this is a great time to get into TikTok because it's a deep, dark hole. Yeah. But um, so your Ugg things have... um, the strap on the back. Well, that makes it so much easier because my feet fall out of slippers. Well, wait. So there's all of these memes on TikTok of people wearing Crocs and then them being like, it'll be snowing. They'll be like, got to put these in four wheel drive. And then they put the strap back and put the strap on. Well, I have my four. These are my four wheel drive slippers. I love them. (laughs) They were expensive, but then they were on sale this week at Nordstrom. So I rationalized it. But like expensive for slippers. I think they were like $70. That's not terrible. No, but they they make me incredibly happy. Oh, good. Um, They're just so soft, like a good hug for your feet. But the tie-dye sweatsuit is everything. I mean, I think we're very into comfort life right now. Yeah. If it's not a warm hug for my soul, my body, yeah, I don't want it. My blog's going to have, I think actually today, because today's Wednesday, my Wednesday blog post is a roundup of loungewear. So Ooh. go on over there and check that out. Ooh, the yeah. lounge life. The lounge life. What about on Instagram? Um, on Instagram, this is really big, guys. So I didn't know that Goldfish does have an Instagram account. I was like shaming them. I was just you know being weird and silly, and I was like, "Why doesn't Pepperidge Farm have an account for Goldfish? This is so rude to Goldfish." And like ten people were like, "They do." So Goldfish has its own Instagram account, and it's Goldfish Smiles. Like, who knew? It's wonderful. They are quite active. They have very fun content. I'm learning about all these new products I didn't know about, like their veggie goldfish. Which Do they follow you? Yeah, of course they do. Oh, okay. And I didn't know if you have a beef with them already. No, no. They follow me. I, I think they have beef with me. Um, it was one of those things where you know, you go and you look at a page and it says follow back. And I was like, oh, shit. I need to follow back. But um, they've got a lot of videos. They make me want tomato soup with goldfish in it. I just, you know, I'm a big goldfish fan, so... Following snack brands on Instagram is one of my favorite things. I'm glad for you. I'm probably yeah. not going to follow them, but I'm glad for you. Yeah. What about you? Um. So I have not followed anyone new, but I thought I would tell you a few people whose coronavirus content I have really been enjoying. Yeah. For different reasons. Um. Mine. No. <laughs> not yours. <laughs> Ouch. So um. Okay. So first, Hitha. Her Instagram handle is Hitha Palapu. I feel like I'm just her biggest fan, and I feel like I'm constantly shouting her out. But she has her Five Smart Reads series that she does every day on Instagram and has been highlighting a lot of great articles that are very fact-based. And I feel like she's been a great information source for actual reputable news. Because mm-hmm. I feel like um, this is not one of my endorsements, but did you see Jared Freed's um, Instagram the other day where he was like, 
if you were a butt model before coronavirus, like we're still coming to you for butt content. Yes. yes. We're not here. We don't expect you to turn into a news reporter. Right. So I feel like Hitha is somebody that I already turned to for news, but she's had yeah. expectedly great content. Mm-hmm. The other one is... um. Or one another one is Ashley Spivey. Yeah. I feel like she has, I mean, like, bless her activist heart, is um, constantly telling ways that you can help, um, whether it's supporting local businesses or, um, you know, she's doing a whole series with authors and having them as, like, virtual book tour stops come to her Facebook group. So, I mean, I just feel like she is such a light and, like, has so many constructive ways that you can help and then our friend amber i think has been doing a great job her instagram handle is rouge underscore 18 and to just broadly speculate i do not know that amber is like handling like i feel like she's somebody who's freaking out a little bit but i feel like she has such a great mix of funny content useful content and I, I just I'm really liking the stuff that she's putting out on her stories. Yeah. And then Amina. So Aminatu. So yes. um, and her handle is just Aminatu. A-M-I-N-A-T-O-U. I feel like she has such good, funny content. Like she's just like sharing memes and like tweets that I think are really funny. Mm-hmm. And then the last person who, you know, we're both obsessed with Allison Roman, her handle is Allison E. Roman, has been doing um, a lot more Instagram stories than usual. And mm-hmm. she's been doing a lot of things around cooking where she'll you can like ask her questions. You should look at her Twitter. It's great. She like gives really good ideas for like substitutions and like pantry meals and stuff. Like I, if you were somebody who is struggling with cooking at home, like I also just feel that Allison Roman has like a pretty realistic approach to like cooking in general. Yeah. She's like in a small Brooklyn apartment. She's not like here in my palatial Joanna Gaines kitchen. I'm going to use nine million pieces of equipment in 83 dishes. Like yes. it's just like very realistic cooking. But I feel like she's been a great resource of like her Q&A stuff has been really great. Yes. So those are some people whose content I'm particularly enjoying of late. Mm hmm. What about on the reading front? We both said we're having trouble reading. Yes, it's been hard. I just can't focus the way I usually can. So I just finished this book like a few days ago. Um, and then I've started, and I think this was a terrible idea. I started The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. And it's just like Eric Larson, all of his books. It's nonfiction that reads like fiction. It's incredibly intelligent, but there's so many people to keep track of. And I feel like I'm I'm just getting so distracted. I can really only handle reading for like 15 minutes and then I get I don't I'm not doing my thing where I lay on the couch for a whole day and and read a book. Like yeah. I'm reaching for my phone, I'm checking the news. I'm just not focused. So I do think I'm going to have to pick up something lighter instead and then come back to this. Yeah, maybe now is the time for fluff. Yeah, I think now is the time for some filler, some some um just like good filler content. Yeah. Alex and I were talking about this this morning where it was like on the surface, you would assume this was a great time for reading. Like I should just like be plowing through my TBR pile and it is not the case. I started last night. So after I finished this book, I started Untamed by Glennon Doyle Mm -hmm. and I loved her previous memoir, Love Warrior. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to love this. And I read 16 pages last night and it's nothing 
to say nothing of the book's content, I I did like it, but I just was like, can't get into it. So I'll give it another try later. I'm definitely going to read it, but it might be time to switch to some like British rom-coms yeah. in my case or yeah. thrillers in your case. If you want a book that I think will be great for the pandemic, what should, we talk, t- should we talk about it? Next month's book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, are you going to recommend me a book? <laughs> well, besides Matchmaking for Beginners, which I think you should all go and read now, um, our April book club pick, it is In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. So excited about this one. So this book came out uh, mid-March, and um, I am such a huge fan of Rebecca's from forever. She wrote Famous in Love, which we did as a very early book club pick, if you remember. Yes. She also wrote The Dinner List, which I feel like was a huge smash two years ago. Such a good one. And so this is her newest book. And basically, the premise is that this woman who has her whole life together, she's very like has the perfect on paper life she has this dream and in this dream she's living a completely different life in five years and then the Mm -hmm. book follows those intermediary five years and looks at what happens to her and this book first of all it was so surprising to me there's a huge twist that i did not see coming i loved this book i will say that i cried really hard during this book which might be cathartic for you now Mm mm-hmm Wow. It was it is one of the best things I have read recently. Yes. I'm so excited to talk about this. And as I already alluded to, we already interviewed her for a bonus episode after our book club next month. So we'll talk to her as well. But I I highly recommend it. It's also a short book. I think I read it mm-hmm. in one night. Yes, it's really fast. So pick that up and we will talk about it the last week of April. And as we said at the top of the episode, if you have content ideas that you would like to hear on the podcast, Mm -hmm. get at us. And um, please follow us. We have a lot of indoor time that we're spending on Instagram. So we're there. For the podcast, we have at Bad on Paper Podcast on Instagram. We also have our Facebook group, which if you are looking for content recommendations, be it books, workout classes, TV shows like go there. And then I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com where I post six days a week. And we can't wait to talk to you next week. So stay safe, stay sane. And yeah, we're going to get through this. We will. 